the Lord, everyone. My, what a great day on July the 4th to be able to celebrate the independence and uh, freedom of our country and to celebrate most of all our freedom in Christ Jesus today. Praise God. Whom the Son is made free is free indeed. We have a tremendous nation, have a beautiful state, and uh, we proclaim our freedom. We talk about it so much, and I like to talk about it. But uh, while we're talking about our national freedom today, there are many that are still bound in the chains of sin and darkness. But aren't you glad you've been liberated by the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ today? Praise God. Praise God. My, what a privilege today to greet such a marvelous crowd, such a beautiful group of people. I'm happy to be a part of you. I'm happy to be a part of this camp meeting. Of course, this is not, um, this is not my first camp meeting. And uh, you know you can hear some things so much until you almost get to thinking you were there or you was a part of it yourself, whether you really was or not. Now, it's a little hazy in my mind. I cannot remember. It seems to me that I was at uh, one of the earliest camp meetings here, earlier camp meetings, whenever, uh, before they even built the uh, tabernacle. But I can well remember the old block tabernacle where the dining hall is at and coming to camp meeting there. And then it was my privilege as just a 14-year-old boy to attend the first Louisiana District Youth Camp in the year of 1954. I did not have the Holy Ghost that year. I received the Holy Ghost the next year. Uh, in fact, I was 13 at that time. And uh, come to the youth camp and then attended many, many youth camps. And uh, so coming to Louisiana camp meeting has been my life. Of course, I'm uh, a native of this state. I was raised over in Gina. Uh, most everybody there calls it Gina. But uh, that's where I'm from. And so this has been my life. This has been my work. And I am still happy to be a part of the Louisiana district. Praise God. I feel honored and I feel humbled today being a member of this district to be asked to teach in this camp meeting. Now, if I say that I'm not capable, uh, then you're going to say, well, he's trying to be uh, so humble. If I say that I am able, you're going to say that I'm proud. All I'm going to say is that I have prayed and fasted and I'm going to do what you would do. I'm going to do my very best today. Praise God. So uh, I want to say to Brother Tenney, and uh, I'm not going to go through this every day, okay? But let me say on the first day to our good district superintendent and to the district board that I appreciate your confidence in asking me. I will do my best. I appreciate you uh, granting me the privilege and the opportunity to address this great camp meeting. And I have so many friends out there that are my peers, my contemporaries, that I deeply love and respect. Our elder ministers, God bless them. Brother Glass did such tremendous job this morning. Brother Johnson last night. My, we're blessed with preachers all over this campground. And here I am trying to preach to you, but I'm going to do my best today. And uh, I want to say that I appreciate so much our leadership. We have a tremendous superintendent. Amen. We have the greatest. I love him and appreciate him so very, very much. God bless Brother and Sister Tenney for their hard work. I have one complaint against them. It's been a complaint almost ever since he's been superintendent. 
And since I've been a part of this district, I fuss at him and complain he has a bad fault and he won't listen to me, and that is he works too much and he won't slow down. But uh, we want him to slow down so he can serve us for many, many, many years. Praise God. So we love our superintendent. We love our leaders. God bless them. We appreciate our nation. We appreciate the leadership of our nation. God bless this great country. God bless this great camp meeting. Let's have a time this week. What do you say? Praise God. Praise God. Uh, I'm so happy to be a part of the work of God. God bless you. And I'm happy to be here today. Uh, I'm like a lady I mentioned uh, in one of the minister's seminars uh, several years ago. had a lady in the church that was uh, married to a drunkard. Uh, they lived together uh, near 50 years, well over 40 years. And so um, all of his life, all of their married life, he was a drunkard. Never could get him to come to church. Couldn't do anything with him as far as salvation. The lady was a precious lady and good saint of God, very, very faithful to every service. And so eventually, because of his habitual drinking, because of his age, finally the man passed away. I preached his funeral. Uh, had his funeral on Wednesday, and we was with the family and tried to comfort them in their loss. Thursday night, we had Bible study. I went to church on Thursday night, and I was a little bit early, and when I got there, this dear sister's car was at the church. We just buried her husband the day before. And I was a little surprised, went into the church, and she was there. I said, Sister Junie, I'm surprised to see you here tonight. Uh, I'm glad you're here, but I'm surprised losing your husband, and uh, I know you're in a state of shock and sorrow, and I wouldn't have felt bad if you had not come to church tonight, but I'm glad you're here. She waved her hand. She said, oh, Brother Coon said, I'm just so happy to be here. I don't know what to do. Said, I'm tickled to death. She said, I'm so glad to be rid of that old drunkard till I don't know what to do. Said, I feel like a bird out of a cage. Said, I'm tickled to death to be here tonight. Praise God. Well, I'm tickled to death to be here today. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm glad that nothing's happened to my companion, but I'm happy to be here today. Thank God. Thank God. Amen. Well, we've had some great times on the campground. I've sang and shouted and cried and been preached under conviction, been in the altar, courted on the campground, been through the whole nine yards, and here we are today. Praise God. But there was a lady that used to come to youth camp. She's here with me today. She was a first-class coon hunter. She caught me in her trap, and I've been caught almost 28 years. So uh, <clears throat> I guess that's all right, too. Praise God. Well, I hope I have something to say to you today that will bless you and help you, whatever your station in life, whatever your situation, whatever uh, role you feel in life or a particular position that you feel. I noticed not long ago... And I don't know where you fit in all of this, but wherever you fit, I'm going to address my remarks to you today. I read the other day, uh, our nation is pretty well uh, designated everybody by initials and acronyms and all sorts of slang talk. I read the other day that society is divided into eight segments. These are all identified by initials. Uh, first of all, there's the flyers. That's the fun-loving youth in route to success. Then there's the more famous group, the yuppies, the young urban professionals. And there's the buffies, that's the black urban professionals. And there's the wolves, the well-off older folks. And there's the grumpies, the grown urban professionals. 
There's the dinks, double income and no kids. And there's the silks, single income and a lot of kids. And there's the puppies, the poor urban professionals. Now, I don't know where you're at today, but I've come to try to teach to you the Word of God. All right, did you come to here today? Praise God. Let's stand, if you will, and get right into the Word of the Lord and see what the Lord would uh, have us to say and hear today from His Word. In the book of Hebrews, chapter number 6, if you would turn there with me, chapter 6 of Hebrews, and begin, begin reading at verse 13 and reading down through verse 20. Now, I am not uh, designated to be an evangelist or necessarily a preacher. I am to teach. So I'm going to try to slow down today and take my time and endeavor to do what I am designated to do. And that's teach the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 6, beginning at verse 13. Why don't we all read out loud together today? Would you like to try that? See how that sounds. Pause at the commas, colons, semicolons, and we'll stay together, okay? Hebrews six thirteen. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. And so, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end to all strife. Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things, in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil, whither the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus, made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And everybody said, Praise the Lord for the Word. And you may be seated. The Lord bless you. I want to talk to you today about an anchor of the soul. This is a very, very elementary topic, I understand. I'm sure that you have heard it addressed many, many times. But you and I today, as never before in this generation in this, and in this time, need an anchor for our soul. Um, at the last moment, I had someone uh, make some little posters for me. Uh, part of it's missing today because uh, we had to do a little, re a little rearranging. But over here is a little poster that says your soul in the center is a little poster that says God's Word and then over here to my left is a little poster with an anchor on it that simply says hope and uh, on the little posters there should be a couple of strands that run from your soul through the Word of God all the way over to the poster that says hope they should be different colors so if you could imagine a red and a blue or a red and a white strand that runs from your soul through the Word of God over to the hope that we have, then I want you to grasp that in your mind and understand what I'm talking about. I don't think that we need to delve into definitions so deeply with such simple basic thing as talking about hope, which is simply something that we expect 
or that we have a feeling that it's going to come and it's going to be a part of our lives after a while. Anchor, of course, is something that is very familiar to all of us. I was shocked uh, some time ago when I was studying and reading to know that some anchors of some very, very large battleships weigh up to 21,000 pounds. I was shocked at that. But you know, whenever you've got something great to anchor, there has to be a tremendous ability of the anchor to hold in order for it to secure whatever you are anchoring. And the Bible tells us today that you and I have as an anchor of our soul a hope. Praise God. The Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, when you begin to look at that verse, you find that faith is the substance of the things that we hope for. Now, my subject today is the things that we're hoping for, and that becomes the anchor of the soul. But that hope has to have something that gives it substance. It has to be built upon something. And the Bible says that faith is the substance. Praise God. I'm glad today for people that have faith in God. Amen. That believe God for His promise and they believe His Word as He has promised to them. That word substance comes from a couple of root words. One uh, actually is a prefix to the word, or the little prefix sub, which means something that is under. And then uh, the, the key part of that word is stance, which means something that you stand upon or a certain position that you take. It is the posture that you have. And so faith uh, becomes the substance. It becomes the floor. And then we take a particular stance upon our faith and begin to believe God for things that we are hoping for. But that faith becomes the substance of the things that we hope for. That's the reason the Apostle Peter said in Second Peter chapter 1 that we are to build upon our hope. We are to take this foundation of, of faith, excuse me, and begin to build upon this foundation of faith. Add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance godliness, and to godliness patience, and on and on, up through brotherly kindness. And then he tops this uh, sevenfold addition off with charity, that we are to add these things to our faith. But we start with the substance of faith. Let me tell you something today. If you don't have faith in God, then you are not going to hope for some things that you cannot see today. But if you have faith in God, I want you to know that you have got a substance upon which you can build today for some things that you're hoping for. Hallelujah! I've got a hope in God today. Amen! Amen! And so, as a result of that, I am building a hope upon faith in God. Amen! And so, you and I today, as children of God and as people of God, and I will be addressing my uh, message and lesson each day primarily to those that are living for God. And my brother Glass told us, and such a smiting conviction struck my heart when he said it, that you already know as much as you need to know how to be saved and how to live for God. You know, I'm always, and you are too, trying to acquire knowledge and learn and, and reach out for something else. And my God, sometimes we're reaching out for things 
uh, while we are ignoring doing what we already know we need to do. Amen. Sometimes I'm absent at seminars learning what I already know I need to be doing and need to be at home doing them. Amen. But I'm there trying to find out what I need to be doing and how to find time to do it all. But that's our dilemma today. But God help us to realize in this generation as saints of God that we are so tempest-tossed. There are so many problems that are assailing the church of the living God today. Now, if you're not under pressure, if the devil's not bothering you, you're not having any difficulties, and you're living for God and everything's smooth sailing, I sure would like to talk with you after this Bible lesson today. Amen. But if, you have, or you're, if you're having a few problems, in fact, a whole lot of problems, if you're having some difficulties, if everything's going wrong, if your world seems to be turned upside down quite often, then I've come to talk to you today and tell you that in this tossed world of trouble and strife, while the winds of difficulty, the winds of adversity are blowing, I want to tell you that there is a God that wants to give you a hope today as an anchor of the soul. Praise God. I've got something within me today that needs something to hold on to. My, my, my vision acquaints me with the transitory and the passing and the things that do not abide. I live in a world that is constantly changing. It's been my sad privilege to preach so many funerals and I see generations come and go and we see so many upheavals in life. And there's something in me that's crying and saying, Oh God, I want something that will hold and I want something to hold on to in the midst of the storms of life. And friend, I'm here to tell you today that God has given to His church an anchor of the soul. And that anchor of our soul today is the hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to know this anchor holds today and it grips that solid rock when the storms are raging and the winds are blowing and the troubles are whirling around us. Thank God there is something that anchors our soul. Hallelujah. There's something that keeps us steadfast. That's the reason you're in the church. That's the reason you're still living for God. It's because I've got a hope and it's a hope beyond this world. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. And you know, whenever the Lord began to give us something to anchor our soul, He didn't just uh, throw out some little simple something and something without thought and without any deliberation. I'm happy to tell you today that we have the immut immutable counsel of God that has been given to us. Amen. His immutable counsel. Glory to God. Counsel that cannot be changed. I'm glad that God is immutable. He's, a, he's an unchanging God. The Bible said every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights, in whom there is neither shadow nor variableness of turning. I want you to know Jesus Christ today never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. You know, this rock that we're standing on, Christ Jesus, today, many, many times I have felt myself tremble as I stood upon the rock. But I want you to know I've never felt the rock shake under me. Praise God. I've never felt the foundation shifting. Praise God. We've got a hope that is sure today. We've got something that is steadfast. 
The immutability of God's counsel is the thing that excites me today about Him. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I read to you today that uh, God uh, made a promise to Abraham. And uh, when he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless thee, and uh, multiplying I will multiply thee. And then he went on and talked about the promise, and he said that men barely swear by the greater, an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. And then God was willing to show abundantly unto the heirs of his promise the immutability of his counsel. Now, God wanted to show us today, all of you, the immutability of his counsel, uh, the heirs of promise. He wanted to show it to us. And so he confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. Now, God wanted to give us something that would show the immutability of his counsel unto the heirs a promise that we could we could have something steadfast because you see we have fled for refuge the Bible says and we need to know when we're running for safety that we have something that is really really steadfast amen and so God said all right because of that I'm going to give a promise and not only am I going to give a promise I'm going to confirm it by an oath. Now, when you begin to study the context of this particular passage, this passage finds its contextual roots in the fact that when God made promise to Abraham, now I want you to notice this today, when he made a promise that was in the book of Genesis, chapter 15, uh, Abraham was talking to God, and he said, Now, God, uh, I, I, I don't have an heir of my own loins and so I guess the best thing and this is in my own uh, phraseology and terminology he said the best thing I could do is just leave all of my inheritance to my servant that is here living in my house and serving me and God made a promise to Abraham and said Abraham uh, I don't want you to do that I'm going to um, I'm going to give you a son out of your own loins and so Abraham listened to that here he is, an old man. His wife is an older lady. And uh, he's thinking and he's rationalizing that this is an impossibility. And uh, so as he begins to talk with God and he listens to all of this beautiful promise of God, all of a sudden it dawns on him, well now, how am I going to know that God is going to keep this promise? How, how do I know that God is going to keep his word? And so he begins to talk back to God a little bit, and he says, Now, God, I want to know something about how I'm going to know this. Now, let me digress just a moment to tell you that in that time, or in the Old Testament times, there were three major types of covenants. Uh, there was the covenant of salt, there was the shoe covenant, and there was the blood covenant. Now, there were many, many different types and kinds of covenants, but these were some of the three major types of covenants. And so God was going to enter into a covenant with Abraham. And uh, Abraham was questioning him, said, Now, God, I want to know how this is going to be. Now, remember, God had already given him a promise. How many of you believe God keeps his promises? Would you say amen? Has God kept his promises to you? Say praise the Lord. Oh, yes. 
He keeps his promises. You and I know that he keeps his promises. But uh, here's Abraham, and he said, Now, God, I've got to have something that will let me know. And so, you know what the Lord told him? He said, Listen, Abraham, I want you to offer me a sacrifice. I want you to get a heifer and a she-goat and a ram and a turtle dove and some pigeons, and I want you to take these animals, and I want you to split them in half, and I want you to uh, divide them, lay half of the heifer over here and half over here and half of the she-goat over here and half over here, and um, lay the turtle doves and the pigeons here and uh, the, the ox. Uh, I want you to divide all of that and lay one side over here and one side over here. Now, in the Old Testament, what they did with this blood covenant, they would, they would take an animal and they would split it in two. And they would separate the parts. And then if uh, I was making a covenant with Brother Whaley, uh, come up here, Brother Whaley. Brother Whaley and I is making a, a covenant together. And we're going to make an oath. And we're going to swear to one another. Now, I promise you that I'm going to do something. And you promise me you're going to do something. But we're going to bind this with an oath. We're going to bind it with a covenant that uh, actually there's going to be blood that's going to be hanging over our heads if we don't keep our promise. Now, you understand that? Very, very serious. And so he and I enter into a covenant, and uh, we, we, we take an animal, slay it, and uh, the blood is shed. Lay this animal one part over here and one over here. And then I get Brother Whaley by the hand and say, all right, let's go walking through this animal here. And we go walking through it, and when we get through it, our oath is confirmed. Our covenant is confirmed. And if you break it, my brother, you're going to be in trouble because that is like the blood of this sacrifice that is hanging over our heads. And not only we promise now, brother, but we have made a covenant. We have sworn together that we're going to do it. And so God said to Abraham, Now, I want to make a covenant with you. I want, to, I want to assure you that my promise is going to be good. And so he said, now you get the animals and, and we're going to walk through them together and, and we're going to make a pact, you and I. Praise God. Because I want you to know that what I tell you is the truth. And you can count on it. Praise God. And so uh, I can see old Abraham as he gets his sacrifice. He's got a half of a goat here and a half a goat there. And he's got a half a cow here and a half a cow there. And he's got a turtle dove here and, and uh, a pigeon over there. And he's got a half a ram over here and a half a ram over there. And I imagine he's just all excited. And he says, you know, the Lord, me and him's going to walk through that thing together. And I'm going to swear to God and God's going to swear to me. Oh, yeah, that sounds good. Uh, I like that. Old Abraham, he gets it all fixed. And all of a sudden, God just zaps him on the head. And he falls out of sleep. Go over and go to sleep. Don't go to sleep. I'm sorry. No, don't go to sleep. And uh, old Abraham, he just falls out and goes to sleep. Now, that's exactly what God wanted him to do. Amen. And so, uh, pardon the way that I'm expressing this today. God looked all over the place. He looked at Abraham and said, You're not bigger than me. Now, what, what's the use of me swearing to you? And... Uh, he looked up in heaven, there's Michael and Gabriel and, and uh, all the angelic host, and I wonder who can walk through this with me together, that I can make uh, a promise and I can swear, you know, because you see, men swear by something that's greater. Amen. You see, if men, you's going to swear, we're going to swear by this blood sacrifice, the element of life that's greater than us. 
And men swore by the temple. They swore by the gold of the temple and all of that because they thought it was greater. God looked around and he said, I wish I could find somebody that was big enough that would back up my oath and confirm it. But he looked all around and there was nobody. And you know what he did? He said, I'm going to swear by myself. There's not anybody any bigger than me. And the Bible said a smoking lamp and a furnace went walking through that sacrifice. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, friend, God was swearing by himself. And he was telling you, I'm big enough to do what I'm telling you I'm going to do. Praise God. And he's still big enough in 1988, hallelujah, to do everything he said he would do. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Oh, what a great God we're serving today. Praise God. He could swear by no greater, so he swear by himself. I don't need you, Abraham. I don't need you, Michael. I don't need you, Gabriel. I don't need you, anybody. I'm just going to walk through this thing right by myself. You study that passage. That smoking lamp and that furnace that went walking through there was the very presence of God itself. And he was telling Abraham, him over there asleep, he was saying, I'm going to swear by myself that you're going to have that son. I'm going to give you this land. Listen to me, friend, today. God has made us a promise, and he has bound it by an oath. Hallelujah. And he's given us that hope as an anchor of our soul today. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Aren't you glad for the covenant of God? Amen. Amen. Now, you know the reason God did that? He wanted the heirs of His promise to know the immutability of His counsel. And so He confirmed it by an oath. And uh, then the Bible goes on to tell you that uh, by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. Now, if you could imagine today, God is attaching to our soul and to this anchor of hope. And the only way that we get this is through the Word of God. And the Word of God contains His promise and it contains His oath to us. It For God to lie. It's impossible for God to lie, first of all, because He promised it to us. Amen. And then it's impossible for God to lie because He bound it by an oath by Himself. Hallelujah. And He don't need anybody bigger than Him because there's nobody bigger than Him to carry out His promise and His oath. Hallelujah. He can do exactly what He said He would do. Amen. Years ago, I was pastoring in Arkansas, and uh, we was uh, putting in a big septic tank, and uh, so uh, called a man out of Little Rock to come, and we brought a big cement septic tank, weighed hundreds and hundreds of pounds, had a special truck. He brought it out. I didn't know the gentleman. I was out there, pastoring the church, and working, and all around, so I was somewhat younger, and I guess I felt like he needed my signature, so I introduced myself and talked to him, and uh, I said, Sir, would you like for me to sign this ticket you have here for this septic tank? He took it and he throwed it up in the truck, 
And he said, no, buddy. He said, your word ain't no good. Your signature ain't either. I said, I'll see you later. I paid that bill. <laughs> Amen. Paid the rest of them I owed too, but, uh, you know, that, that sort of puts you on the spot. If your word's not any good, your signature is not either. But I want you to know, friend, this word's good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's got his, we got his word. We got his signature, you might say today. Hallelujah. We got his promise, and we got his oath. I'm telling you, whenever uh, Moses dedicated those people to God, and he dedicated that covenant to God, he sprinkled both the book and the people. I want to tell you something today. This is a blood-sprinkled book I'm preaching to you from today. You're a blood-sprinkled people today by the precious blood of Jesus Christ today. Hallelujah. Thank God for his word. Thank God for his promise today. And that becomes the anchor of my soul. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad we've got something to hold us steadfast? Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Your soul today, whether you realize it or not, needs security. It needs safety. There's something in you that cries for serenity. There's something within you that cries for peace. If you don't believe I'm telling you the truth, you do something you don't have any business doing and you tell me how good you sleep tonight. Now, if you're, if you're into a lot of mischief and you're sleeping good, there ain't no hope for you. Hey, Amen. You, you've done, you know, I don't know, you, you've already flew the cup. I can't help you today. God bless you. Better check with somebody else. But uh, you, know, you know what I'm talking about. I'm sure everybody's so spiritual, they never failed God. But, uh, you know, every once in a while I've, I've made a few mistakes, a few little situations. I got something, I don't know, I got something wrong with me, way down on the inside. I got something that just talks to me and aggravates the daylights out of me. You know, I don't know, Brother Hogg said it was my conscience, and somebody tells him it's my soul, I don't know what it is, but I'm telling you it's in good working order. Amen. Just good working order. In fact, it kind of reminds me, several years ago, uh, right after I come to Gina the past. It's been seven or eight years ago now. I was uh, I was going somewhere preaching, my wife and I, and we'd been up north, and we was coming back through Arkansas. That's another Arkansas situation. And uh, we was on a little country road, traveling, coming back to Gina. And about that time was when uh, these milk boxes was so popular. You remember when these, uh, these plastic milk cartons, you know, you put four gallons of milk in them. You remember when they got so popular and everybody had them, they was using them for trash cans and magazine racks and, and all kinds of stuff. You know, sort of fancy back then. I don't know why they hit, but that's, that's the way things do. And, and everybody had them, a, a blue milk box and a pink milk box, plastic. And I wanted one of them things. They cost seven or eight dollars and I was too tight to buy one. And I said, well, my, I'll find one somewhere. So we was traveling down through Arkansas, driving along. 50 or 60 miles an hour in the car and uh, all of a sudden I told Sister Coon, I said, uh-huh. I said, I'm fixing to get me something I've been a woman. She said, what's that? I said, I'm fixing to get me a milk box. And she said, well, how? And all of a sudden we'd come up on this milk truck and up on the top of it was a bunch of these boxes. And one of them was, had slid back to the back and as this fellow was driving along, every few minutes he'd 
do this, you know. So I said, oh, hallelujah. Here's my milk box. Well, I did just what you'd do if you was wanting one. I slowed down. I said, well, I don't want it to fall off on my windshield. I want to be back here further enough and it falls off. I'm going to find it. And it'll be mine. He don't know he lost it, so what's the difference, you know? So I, I slowed down, and I kept that truck in sight. Every, sure enough, every once in a while. I said, well, I hope that thing blows off. Speed up, buddy, so it'll blow off. So I followed along, and sure enough, after a few miles, here it comes, blowed off. He just kept a truck, and I said, boy, had it. So I pulled over the side of the road and hopped out, grabbed my milk box, put it in the back of the car. I said, boy, that's a good one. Didn't even break it when it fell off of the truck. I'm tickled to death. I've been wanting one of them so bad. And you know, there's something in that box. And all of a sudden, that blue box over in the back seat started saying, I ain't your box. I don't belong to you. I said, oh, no, no, no. You know, I didn't say anything to Sister Coon. I told her how happy I was. I said, oh, you know, now, this, this is all going on inside. I said, oh, that guy, he's got a truckload of boxes. He, he'll never miss his box. All of a sudden, that box, I don't belong to you. That old silly milk box talking to me like that. And here I am, a preacher. Wanted one so bad. Got the Holy Ghost. I'm going to put my magazines in it. Sit it by my chair. He said, I ain't you. Ain't you. Yeah, I wanted to put the Herald in it and stuff. See? Sanctified stuff. Yeah, Challenger. Put my Bible in there when I was reading. Hallelujah. I just kept a driving. I said, well, I can't give this. That guy's going on. I can't give it back to him. I'm going to keep this box. Box said, I'm not yours. Thou shalt not steal. Mm. Oh, don't talk to me like that. I got the Holy Ghost. Right. You know, now none of y'all had never talked like that, but, you know, we had a little conversation there in the car. And so wouldn't you know it, that dude stopped in a minute. He pulled in. That box said, you stop and return me to my owner. I said, oh, I'm going on. No, I, all of a sudden I throwed on the brakes and I wheeled in. I said, I'm giving it back to that dude. I was a little aggravated, you know. I said, oh, you know what's going to happen? When I give this fella that box, he's going to say, oh, buddy, just forget it. Just take it on. I'm going to get it anyway. I took that box, and I, I went, hopped out. When the fella got out of his truck, I went around and said, hey, buddy, this box blew off your truck back there, and, and uh, I, I got it here if you want it back. He reached over and grabbed it, throwed it in the truck, said, thank you. He went walking on. I said, what are you doing? I ain't got a box. But you know what? When I got back in the car, I felt a whole big bunch better. Amen. Amen. Oh, thank God for our soul that talks to us. Hallelujah. We need security. We need something that we can sleep good about at night. My God, I couldn't have rested if I'd have took that box home. And you know what? Now, let me just tell you something. Now, this is what pays off for being honest. You say, well, you weren't honest. I was. I took it back. I got under condemnation and stopped and give it to him. Amen. Hope you ain't got nothing you didn't take back. Amen. And I don't know why, but I was preaching one Sunday night at church right after that. 
And I don't know, I got off on some kind of subject, and I told about that in my church. I didn't think a thing about it, just told them, you know, how the Lord talked to you and all of that. I didn't think a thing about it, went home, went to bed. Got up the next morning, went out to get me a paper, and there was either two or three milk boxes sitting on my carport. Hallelujah. <laughs> my sage said, if he wants one that bad, I'm going to take him one. So two or three brought me a milk box. So I'm better off than I was if I'd have kept that little one that talked to me. My God, I don't want no talking milk box in my house. Amen. I want to sleep good at night. Glory to God. I want to know that everything's all right with my soul between me and God. Hallelujah. 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 Lord, help us today. I want my soul to be anchored in Jesus Christ today. God, help us. Our soul is in a world that is storm-tossed with tempests and troubles and trials on every side. Amen. And uh, you may say, well, Brother Coon, why do we need an anchor? I'm going to tell you, I think there's two basic reasons why we need an anchor for the soul. And I'm going to hurry because there's a lot of things happening when this gets through. And I'm going to stop in a minute. Let me, let me just give you the rest of this in a minute. I'm just barely getting started here. And I know you're thanking God every minute for that clock back there. But uh, I'm watching it. Nothing else, I'll know how much overtime I go. <laughs> Amen. I think we need an anchor because there's storms in this life. Amen. Brother, we're living in a storm-tossed generation. Hallelujah. I don't care how much Holy Ghost you got, there's a tempest that's raging about us today. And if we're not anchored to something, brother, the storm is going to sweep us away. But thank God, we're bound to that anchor. My soul reaches over here to this anchor with that promise of God and with that oath of God. Hallelujah. I can take His Word and I can say, thank God, my anchor holds in the midst of the storm. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. And then another reason we need an anchor is because we can drift away. You know, if there's not any storms going on, there's a danger of just drifting. You know, I, I used to wonder uh, when I was younger, I used to wonder, you know, you'd, you'd pick up the newspaper and some guy over in England or Australia or somewhere found a Coke bottle on the beach and found a note in it and it was from somebody in America. And uh, I wondered now, I've been to the ocean, stood there and watched all those big old waves coming in. I said, now how in the name of the Lord could I throw a bottle out here in this ocean with these big old waves higher than my head rolling in and uh, washing everything up on the shore? How could I throw a bottle out there and, uh, and the waves is coming this way and it's a going yonder way to Australia or to Hawaii or somewhere. And I found out that underneath those tremendous waves and underneath all of that tide that's coming in, that there's underwater currents, that while some's coming this way, there's some water that's pulling things yonder direction. And, you know, sometimes we think everything's coming our way. It's all just rolling in. But friend, you better watch it. There's some underwater currents in life. And if you don't watch it, something's going to cause you to begin to drift. You may think that you're going yonder way when it's pulling you yonder way. Amen. Some people, like I heard about the straight pen, they're headed one direction but pointed in another. 
And I'm afraid that's the problem with a lot of people today. They think they are pulling in one direction, but they're headed in another. And my God, friend, we can be we can drift away from the things of God if we're not careful. But thank God if you'll sink that anchor down in Jesus Christ. I want you to know, friend, that the storms cannot move you away and the undercurrents of life cannot separate you from the love of God. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Thank God for an anchor of the soul this morning. Let me tell you, the way you get this anchor, God tells us, and you get this hope that becomes the anchor of the soul. You get it from God's Word and through God's Word, according to Romans 15 and 4. The Bible says um, that experience works hope in our life in Romans chapter 5. Romans 15 and 13 says that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. 2 Thessalonians 2.16 says that God has given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace. Praise God. Listen to me, friend. We have an anchor today that God has given us through His grace, through His Spirit, through the experiences of life, and most of all, through the precious Word of the living God. Hallelujah. Thank God for hope today. That makes us not ashamed. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. And this hope today that I'm preaching about and I'm rushing, rushing, makes us not ashamed. Paul says in Romans 8 that we're saved by hope. Paul says for us to put on uh, as a helmet the hope of salvation. Praise God. I wish I could talk about that priest that had on the mitre of his crown that went into the temple, that, that emblem that said holiness unto the Lord, the helmet of salvation. Praise God. Listen, friend, we do not sorrow as others which have no hope. Thank God that our hope helps us when we get in sorrow, when we get in trouble, when you go to the graveyard, when you go to the nursing home, when you go to the spastic school for your child. There may be a sorrow, but thank God it's not like the world has because you've got a hope deep down on the inside. Praise God. Praise God. I'm glad for the hope that we have today. Praise God. Let me tell you something about this hope and I don't have time to talk about this this is a big one within itself John said beloved or behold rather what manner of love the father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God and it does not yet appear what we shall be but we know that when he shall appear we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is and every man that hath this what hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure let me tell you something friend just in passing today. The reason that you can't live a holy life if you're having trouble with that is because your anchor's not right. Amen. But when you've got a hope in God, when the anchor is right, I want you to know you'll purify yourself even as He is pure. Praise God. Thank God for that anchor today that causes us to purify ourselves. Amen. Amen. It anchors our soul. Glory to God. And my time is up. Give me just another minute. That anchor that you see over there is comprised of three major parts. It has several other parts, but the part that comes down in the middle, it's got that ring on it where you tie the chain and tie the rope, that's called the shank of that anchor. 
on either side of it. That's called the fluke. It's got two flukes on it on either side. That's what reaches down into the mud and the sand and holds on. Let me tell you what the shank of our anchor is today. It's in the second coming of Jesus Christ. You study this Bible, and the Bible says, The grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, that we should live soberly and righteously in this present world, looking for what? That blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, friend, that's the shape of every bit of our hope today. It's in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. And then on either side, the two-pronged flutes of that anchor. First of all, we have a hope in the resurrection of the dead. Secondly, we have a hope of eternal life. And it is all tied to the coming of Jesus Christ. When he comes, there's going to be a resurrection. When he comes, we're going to inherit eternal life. Thank God. Oh, brother, I don't know about you today, but that's the thing that holds me. When the devil tempts me, when the storms come, when the underwater currents begin to pull, I begin to think of the coming of the Lord. I begin to think of the resurrection of the dead. I begin to think of that eternal life. And I say, I'm going to hold on. I'm not going anywhere. My soul is secure in Jesus Christ. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm glad our anchor holds today. Thank God. Would the musicians come and sing a little chorus for us? Say, Brother Coon, what's your anchor holding on to? Let me tell you something. I don't, oh, there's so many things in this passage. You know where my anchor goes? It goes down through the outer court, Brother Tenney. Goes down through the front door into the holy place. Thank God it goes right down through the, the veil, right into the Holy of Holies. Thank God within the veil itself. You know what? He rent that veil when he entered into the holy place. He didn't go with the blood of bulls and of goats and of sacrifice, but he entered with his own blood. There's that blood covenant, friend. Oh, hallelujah. He's not swearing by anything any greater. No blood is greater than mine. I'm going to go walking right through that veil myself with my own blood. I'm going to sprinkle the mercy seat. I'm going to obtain eternal salvation for the souls of men. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, friend, my anchor goes all the way inside of the veil, and it holds Jesus Christ, thank God that's the thing that I'm secured to today, is the Lord himself, praise God, praise God you know what there's anchor problems I didn't realize you could have problems with an anchor but you know you can there's three real major kinds of anchor problems or situations the first one is a foul anchor, they call it. That's when your anchor gets tangled up in other lines and other anchors and, and, and you just get balled up in a bunch of stuff. That can happen to us, did you know it? Foul anchor. Hooked in the wrong place. You better get your lines untangled. Now that's some of that Diener vernacular, but you better get your wires uncrossed. Know where your anchor is resting today. Praise God. And then I'm afraid the tragedy of some people is another technical problem that can happen. They call it drag anchor. What that means is that either a storm or a situation 
has come along and the anchor is not big enough or secure enough and it drags the anchor. And in essence, they begin to drift away. Oh God, I don't want to drag anchor today. I want my anchor to hold to Christ Jesus today. And then, finally, one of the things that you can do, and this is, this is just by volition and will, there's a technical term called weigh anchor, which means that you simply just hoist the anchor up and it indicates I'm leaving, I'm not staying. I've seen many people in my experience say, I'm raising the anchor. Brother Cannon, goodbye. I'm, I've gone to another port. I'm going somewhere else. I'm abandoning my hope. I'm going to sail the rough seas of life without anything to anchor me. But thank God there's a term that I like. It just simply says, at anchor, which means your anchor is secure. The lines are taut, and you're not drifting away. The storms are not too bad. Hallelujah. I want you to know today that my soul is at anchor in Jesus Christ. I've got a hope, thank God, that's holding me steadfast. I don't want anything to move me away from it. Praise God. If you're glad you've got a hope today, let's stand and praise the Lord. Let's worship Him today. Hallelujah. In Hallelujah. In times, in times like these, how oh, we need a Savior. Be very sure. Be very sure, saints of God. Preacher, friend of mine, be very sure.